Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Hi, everyone. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. We also have a live video stream rolling right now on the Twitch app. Seven minutes after five o'clock on this Monday, December the 12th of 2022. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. Over the next two hours, we'll have Notre Dame football conversation to get to as Marcus Freeman talked about how he will handle the quarterback position for the bowl game. My colleague from Blue and Gold Illustrated, Tyler Horka, he's going to drop by the program at 5.30. We're going to talk some Notre Dame football with him also Tyler is the Blue and Gold Illustrated writer who covers Notre Dame women's basketball, and the Irish announced some huge news today as a five-star signee, Cassandra Prosper, is going to enter Notre Dame in the second semester. She is early enrolling, so she will be available. She committed to the Irish on November the 12th, so this is a quick turnaround If you're into the ranking system, ESPN Hoop Girls Recruiting Rankings, she is the number 16 overall prospect in the country, one of 24 five-star prospects. She comes out of Canada and apparently at 6'2", can knock down three-point shots, really a versatile player, a guard-forward combination. This is a heck of an addition for a team that's already number five in the country. So Cassandra Prosper is going to join the Irish in the second semester. It'll be interesting to see how Neil Ivy works her in. Had a similar situation when Olivia Miles early enrolled, and that worked out very well for the University of Notre Dame 
two years ago. So big women's basketball news. We'll ask Tyler about the significance coming up when he joins me at the bottom of the hour at 5.30. We'll recap Friday's My 5 question of the day as I try to predict the sports headlines for the weekend. And today's My 5, the five takeaways from the Notre Dame basketball team losing to Marquette yesterday, 79-64. We'll have a couple of Irish basketball segments. Boy, that was a tough one to watch yesterday. The Irish were challenged offensively by Marquette's defense, and Marquette had it way too easy on the offensive end, leading to a 15-point road victory over the Fighting Irish. Also coming up, we'll have a sports wagering segment to wrap up the program on this Monday here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, first off, I want to apologize. If you're a regular listener, I've been battling a cold for a good amount of time, and when I get a cold, it goes right to my voice. And I thought I was past the raspiness a couple of weeks ago, but the cold came back, and then as soon as I start calling Notre Dame hockey games on back-to-back nights where you're talking nonstop for two and a half hours, my voice really goes. So I apologize. I would love to be able to push out more of my voice, but this is all I've got at this particular time. So I hope you'll bear with me. And again, I apologize for the way I sound once again today. But after the show, I'm not going to say a word until I have to once again. All right, let's talk about this Notre Dame football team and Marcus Freeman, the head coach of the Fighting Irish. He laid out on Saturday what he's looking to do leading up to the Gator Bowl matchup against the Gamecocks of South Carolina. In particular, we are all interested to know what the Irish coaching staff will do at the quarterback position. To remind you, Drew Pine, who started the last 10 games of this year, was told by Marcus Freeman after the season that likely Notre Dame will add a transfer quarterback. Hearing that news, Drew Pine put his name in the transfer portal. He does not have a new home as of yet. Speaking of the transfer portal, a really interesting name went in today. Coastal Carolina three-year starter Grayson McCall has jumped in the portal. That's a really interesting player. But back to the Irish. Pine's in the transfer portal. So you look at the Irish depth chart. Tyler Buckner cleared by doctors after having having left shoulder surgery, his non-throwing shoulder. He has been active in practice. He is not taking hits and will not take hits. So Buckner has been getting first-team reps as, well, freshman Steve Angeli is getting some of those first-team reps as well. So the Irish are trying to prepare themselves not only for the matchup against South Carolina, but start laying a little foundation to see what these quarterbacks can do at the end of this year 
leading into what is going to be a very interesting offseason at the quarterback position here in South Bend. I laid out a few details. Let's let the boss have his say. Marcus Freeman, when asked this weekend, as it stands right now, what is your plan at the quarterback position going into the December 30th game, which is 18 days away, down in Jacksonville at the Gator Bowl against the SEC's South Carolina Gamecocks? We haven't um, defined what exactly the quarterback situation will be. Um, both guys have gotten reps with the ones. With between Steve and Tyler, both have, have had reps with the ones. Um, you know, Tyler's practiced uh, the majority of all the practices, and so uh, we'll, we'll really sit down probably next week and just say, hey, what's the plan as we really start focusing on South Carolina? But right now, we just I want all those guys getting reps and rolling and, and continued. You know, Tyler hasn't played football for a long time, and so um, just getting him in there with a bunch of different groups of, uh, of receivers and O-linemen and, and um, let him get acclimated. But he's looked good. He's done a good job in practice. Steve has done uh, a pretty good job, too. You know, it's going to take a little while to get acclimated once again to game speed. You can replicate it in practice, but it is a whole different animal getting out there in a game situation. So I've looked at it this way. Once we found out Buckner is cleared and can play, I hope he plays. I want him to play. I want him to give us a little bit more of an idea of the type of quarterback that he is. I mean, we're still at the small sample size stage. The opportunities he got last year is that change-up quarterback for Jack Cohn. The Ohio State game just was such a different game plan. I'm not going to take much from that. The Marshall game was disappointing from the way that game started out from a, a game planning standpoint. Eventually, as the game went on, Notre Dame's offense got into a much better rhythm, although some interceptions in the second half hurt them, including you know, Buckner. And then you had the injury, which knocked him out for the rest of the regular season. So we still need to learn more about Tyler Buckner. We know what he can do running the football, but I'd like to see him throw the football more in this game to give us more of an idea of his potential. We are still gathering information on Tyler Buckner. This has been my stance all along. I mean, you go back to when Buckner got hurt. We started to reignite the conversation about bringing in a quarterback. That was a conversation during the offseason. Seemed like a good idea. There's no guarantee whoever you brought in was going to work. But the Irish decided not to bring in that quarterback last offseason. They are not going to go that route again. They will bring in, likely, I guess I should say, another quarterback. And when we talk about bringing in another quarterback, and I, I said this before Drew Pine decided to transfer, wanting to add another quarterback through the transfer portal does not mean we have given up on Tyler Buckner. That does not mean that I have given up that he can be the starter and hopefully not only just a starter, but a difference-making player for this football team. Maybe he is the guy and we 
as outsiders not seeing practice consistently, maybe we don't know his potential. Maybe we don't know the excellence that he showed. But just in case, you go get another guy. Unfortunately, injuries have been a part of Tyler Buckner's career at quarterback in high school and at Notre Dame. You can't go into next year with Buckner and Jelly, Paulus, Minchie. There's got to be a guy that Notre Dame can bring in to add more stability and, heck, beyond that, playoff-caliber football. Notre Dame needs championship-level quarterback play. It's time. It's time to get that difference-making guy into this program. Jack Cohn was a really, really good quarterback. Ian Book was a really, really good quarterback. There's another level to quarterback play that we have not seen here since Brady Quinn. And that's what I'm striving for. This is an elite program. Marcus Freeman and his coaching staff are recruiting like crazy in every position on the football team. For years, running back and wide receiver recruiting wasn't good enough or developing of those two spots. Coaching changes have led to a drastic change in a good way in both of those positions. And now those players are being developed. Look at the running back position. We'll see more about the impact of Chancey Stuckey developing wide receivers next year. Now the quarterback position is in that spot where it needs to catch up, and hopefully that's happening with Minchie and C.J. Carr in the next class. But who knows? Notre Dame can bring in that quarterback from the portal that can make a big difference next year. This wasn't supposed to be a back-to-back bridge quarterback program, but due to circumstances, Cone was a part of the bridge to this year, and now that bridge is going to have to be extended into next year by someone coming into the program or Tyler Buckner taking the reins and running with it. And I'm excited to see what Tyler can do in this game against South Carolina. But leading into the matchup with the Gamecocks, no one here in South Bend is touching Tyler Buckner. Probably won't happen. You know, you can't take a chance of your quarterbacks um, getting hit in practice. Um, Not at this point in the season. You know, we didn't. There wasn't one point I lived up the quarterbacks in fall camp. It just You just can't take that chance of getting your quarterbacks hit and hurt in practice. You know? And I know he hasn't taken live reps, and uh, um, you get bumped enough. You're in the red jersey, but, you know, sometimes they run that ball or, or those D linemen, they might get yelled at for touching the quarterback, but you're going to get bumped enough. Um, but we're not going to live them up. There's no way. All right, so Tyler is not going to be touched leading into that game. Irish are going to play it safe. Can totally understand that. I wonder, from a game planning standpoint, two things. Number one, is Tyler Buckner going to play from start to finish? Is he only going to get, shall I say, a majority of the snaps? Is he going to share snaps? Whatever the number is, I would have to imagine that Notre Dame will be very careful with Tyler Buckner. Do they use read options in this game where a South Carolina player 
could possibly light up Tyler Buckner. Now, eventually, you want to take the bubble wrap off. But at the same time, I go back to my feeling, you want to win this game, but it's not the end of the world if you don't win it. Losing to Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl had nothing to do with Notre Dame losing to Ohio State and Marshall to start the following season. I would have to imagine the Irish will be very cautious with Buckner in the running game against South Carolina. We know what he can do with the football. But I am curious to see, is he the guy or is it going to be a chance for Angeli to get out of the field? Remember, he can play in this game and he can still get back that year of eligibility. Marcus Freeman and his staff made sure he played four or less games this year to preserve that year of eligibility. That's a positive decision by the coaching staff on behalf of Angeli. So we have not seen Tyler Buckner since the Marshall game when he was injured. What has been Marcus Freeman slash Tommy Reese's points of emphasis for Tyler Buckner here in December camp getting ready for the bowl game against South Carolina? Yeah, I mean, we all have to get better at um, decision-making. We all have to get better at taking care of the football, putting the uh, football in places that um, are precise in terms of where they need to be. Um, but if you look at it, it's not a, you know, where we are now as a team versus where we were those first two games, I think, has, has evolved. Um, you know, what we asked Tyler to do that first game in terms of, you know, how much we asked him to run. And it was a part of the, a plan versus a, a defense like Ohio State. Um, you know, that, hey, we, we want to run the quarterback a little bit more than usual. You know, that's probably not what we would have wanted to do all season long. Um, but, you know, continue to develop, continue to – he hasn't – again, he hasn't played football um, in a while. And so for him to get back out there, um, run around, throw the ball, um, it's been good to see. Um, but, you know, I think our offense is at a different point. Uh, than where we were at those two games. We have an identity and the ability to run the ball and the ability to create, um, we, we, as we say, easy completions. And, and that won't change with whoever's at quarterback. You know, we have to, that's our identity. The ability, we have to be able to run the ball. And we have to be able to take advantage of, of the things that defenses are giving us in the passing game. And those will be the things we ask Tyler to do. All right, so there you go, Marcus Freeman. His points of emphasis for Tyler Buckner. Well, one thing that Tyler Buckner will enjoy in this game against South Carolina compared to when he was the starter, first two games against the Buckeyes and the Thundering Herd, you now have an offensive line that is working well together and helping this running game grow as the season went on. Let's keep in mind also when Tyler Buckner was starting, The offensive line wasn't clicking at that particular time. It was tough to run the football. Protection issues. Wasn't always just the offensive line. But now you come full circle to the end of the year, and the offensive line is one of the strengths of this football team. And now Tyler Buckner will get to enjoy the benefits of that for the first time when he is lining up in the shotgun against the Gamecocks. This is a huge positive. It's not going to be all on Buckner's shoulders to throw it all over the Gator Bowl. He's got a terrific running game 
to rely on. Yes, we know Tyler can be a big part of the running game, and we'll probably be talking about that during the offseason. If he is, in fact, the starter leading into that first game, what he can do running the football across the pond. But in this particular spot, you would think the Irish running game wouldn't necessarily need Tyler Buckner using his legs to have a great day against South Carolina. And again, with pass protection improving, Tyler's got a fair shot to deliver the football. He's good outside the pocket, too. That's where I'd really like to see him become a difference-making player as Tommy can get him outside of the pocket. You got that little pass-run option. And if he can get the ball down the field, it's an exciting venture. Still think Tyler Buckner has a chance to be really good, but I just still need to see more in his passing abilities before I'm jumping in with both feet. I'm encouraged, but I still need to see it. Steve Angeli probably will get some shots in this game. And then our attention will turn after the bowl game to which quarterback the Irish end up with. Heck, they may pick up that quarterback before the bowl game. We are still 18 days away from the Irish in South Carolina, teeing it up down in Florida. So that all might be taken care of by then. We're seeing quarterbacks starting to pick their spots, including Phil Jakovic leaving BC. He is now a Pittsburgh Panther. And oh, gee, perfect. Notre Dame and Pittsburgh play next year. (laughs) Phil and his team always seems to find the fighting hours somehow and some way. 527 is our time. That's our opening pitches for tonight's program. We're going to step aside for a moment so I can get a drink of water and then we'll come back with Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We'll talk about the women's basketball news of the day. Big, big news and also more on the Irish preparing for the Gator Bowl. It is 27 minutes after 5 o'clock and you have tuned in to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, it's 5:33 at WSBT. Welcome back to the program. On this Monday evening, Darren Pritchett with you from our studios in downtown South Bend. Joining me on the phone, my colleague from Blue and Gold Illustrated, the website, blueandgold.com. He is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold. Also, he covers the Irish hockey team and Neil Ivey's Notre Dame women's basketball team. And we'll talk about the Irish women's team in just a couple of moments, but we'll start off our conversation talking some fighting Irish football. And Tyler, in my previous segment, I laid out some of Marcus Freeman's comments about the quarterback position that Buckner's not going to be touched during December practice, which makes a lot of sense, but they haven't laid out a plan yet necessarily how they are going to use the quarterback and who's going to play in the Gator Bowl against South Carolina. I'm just wondering your opinion. If you had a say, if you had a chance to talk to Tommy Reese, how would you like to see Notre Dame handle the quarterback position against South Carolina? 
So I've wavered a little bit in this. It, it seems like this has taken on a life of its own, this conversation, ever since Drew Pine entered the transfer portal, and that news is well over a week old at this point. I know he officially entered a week ago today, December 5th, but that's when everyone officially entered. He came out on December 2nd and said, that's my intention. So ever since then, it's been about nine days, and from the very beginning, I thought Steve Angeli should be the starter. He's been the backup all year. He's taken first-team reps as a result of that because, of course, Drew Pine was the starter for two months, but you asked the second-string guy to take at least a few first-team reps in the case that Pine would have got hurt or couldn't have played for whatever reason. You need Steve Angeli to be ready to play. During that whole entire time, Tyler Buckner was up in the press box with Tommy Reese watching from a bird's-eye view, and who knows what he was doing at practice, probably watching from the sideline with the clipboard in his hand while Steve Angeli had his helmet on, was actually throwing footballs and handing off to running backs, throwing to the tight ends, the wide receivers, and all those things. So I think right now, from a football perspective, Steve Angeli is the most ready quarterback on the roster to start this game. And I've been saying all along that if you do 100% clear Tyler Buckner from his injury coming back from that shoulder surgery, which sounds like is going to be the case, it's not going to be an injury designation that prevents him from starting, then, yeah, you play him a little bit, but – I have a really hard time putting Tyler Buckner out there for his first competitive live reps against competition that wears another color in a bowl game like this against an SEC opponent, uh, a team that has a lot of momentum and optimism right now around Shane Beamer. They want to play and win this bowl game. And you put Tyler Buckner out there without Michael Mayer in that situation. Now I'm not saying – throw the freshman Steve Angeli to the Wolves this whole game doesn't matter see what happens but you can also kind of learn a little bit about Steve Angeli we learned a little bit about Tyler Buckner against Ohio State and against Marshall we haven't learned anything about Steve Angeli in competition so yeah you want to bring in the transfer quarterback but you also want to know what you have in all you know three of these guys Buckner Angeli and the prospective transfer the only way you're going to learn anything going into the offseason about Steve Angeli is if you play him and by my thinking and what I would do start him in this bowl game against South Carolina so just a a follow-up to your comments would you like to see the snaps in the game be 50-50 maybe 70-30 leaning toward Angeli I mean how much do you want to see both of these guys at least get an opportunity Yeah, 70-30 sounds pretty good. I don't know about 50-50. I think you lose any kind of a rhythm at that point. Um, You know, I I hate the the two-quarterback system. I don't think it works well. I've covered teams that have used it. I've watched teams that have used it. If you go into this game saying, we're going to give Steve this series, we're going to give Tyler that series, I'm not on board with that. I think you should pick a starter. Obviously, I think that starter should be Angeli. But if the offense wavers or if you need the spark, then you put in Tyler Buckner like you did in 2021 with Jack Cohn, and it worked really well. Now, again, I'm not saying that is Tyler Buckner's ceiling. He will never be anything more than the plug-and-play, spark-plug type of guy that can get you a touchdown here when you really need it but can't get you anything else. That was who he was against Virginia Tech in – week six of his college career or whatever that was. I think he can be better than that, but 
just considering all of these circumstances, if you're able to start Angeli and get, like you said, Darren, maybe 30% of the snaps to Tyler Buckner, and he looks good in those 30%, that's the best of both worlds. Because I think you go into the offseason at that point thinking, okay, Tyler Buckner looked really good in limited reps coming back from that shoulder surgery. Maybe he can have a really big offseason and reclaim this job. And then you're thinking of it from Steve Angeli's perspective, like, hey, we might have more than we thought we did in this guy. And then you bring on that transfer that we've talked about the last couple of weeks. I really think that's the best case scenario for the Notre Dame quarterback room is to be feeling good about all of these guys. Now, of course, there's that chance that you're not feeling good about any of them. If you start Angeli and he's terrible, you put Tyler Buckner in the offense, still doesn't work. You're, you're, you're thinking the other way about all of this, but you have to be thinking of it from a positive perspective. And I think that's the best thing that Notre Dame could do. Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. My guest on WSBT Radio. The perception is, Tyler, that there are many high-profile college football programs that will be dipping their toe into the transfer portal. We assume Georgia and Alabama will be two of the elite schools looking for a quarterback, as is, of course, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. What is your personal expectation for the type of player you think Notre Dame can get in the cycle because let me set up the question the reason why I'm asking this I think there's a perception a guy like Hudson Card from Texas might end up in the SEC he might stay in the south Uh, Devin Leary he's got connections to the Illinois and Missouri staff I've heard rumblings there there just seems to be a lot of people that are supposedly leaning in different directions so where do you think that leaves the Irish right now Yeah, you are fearful of that just based on the way the transfer portal has gone or has not gone for Notre Dame in past years. These guys tend to end up other places. But then you look at Jack Cohn. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't covering his recruitment out of Wisconsin, but you have a guy who started a lot of Power 5 games, Big 10 games there, and Notre Dame was able to bring him in. Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman have talked about that kind of being – a selling point when they're trying to recruit some of the guys that you mentioned. But I think the best thing that Notre Dame has going for it in this cycle is that there are just a lot of guys and we've seen a lot of names go in there. We saw another one go in there today, Jason McCall, Coastal Carolina. I think he could end up at any one of these big schools. He did well enough there to kind of earn him that status of going to a school like Notre Dame or maybe some of the other power five schools that you mentioned. So it's the pool that Notre Dame has to feel really good about. They're talking about a Hudson card and, and a Devin Leary and maybe a Grayson McCall. And yeah, you know, Notre Dame is only going to get one of those guys if it gets any one of those guys at all. But just the fact that there are so many of them and there's a lot to choose from, that's kind of the nature of it in college football today, obviously, with all these names. I mean, I don't have a concrete number for you, but. I know we're talking about over a thousand kids yeah. in the transfer portal, right? It's it's pretty ridiculous. All you're asking is for Notre Dame to get one of those quarterbacks. I think it could get it done. It would obviously be a little disappointing if it's not one of those bigger name guys, but I've been saying it all season since twenty twenty two started. You can't go into twenty twenty three with the same quarterbacks yep. that you have on the roster right now. It, it would be a complete failure if Tyler Buckner, Steve Angeli, and Ron Palace, especially after Drew Pine left. Because you're thinking there's a chance that Drew Pine is still here in 2023. That's looking like it's not going to be the case, obviously. He's looking to play somewhere else. So 
Notre Dame has to get a guy, and I think they feel pressured to get a guy, and I think they will. Who that's going to be, um, it, it might take a little bit of time, but these things tend to materialize quick, faster than they used to, for sure. Just being my co-host on Game Day Sports Beat, you as a Texas alum, you laid it out pretty quickly that a guy like Hudson Card might be available, and sure enough, the Longhorn quarterback is in the transfer portal. So you've got a good feel for the Big 12. So let me bring up a different name. Did Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, did that cause you to go, hmm, that could be a good fit here? What are your thoughts about him? Yeah, obviously he's a graduate transfer. He's a veteran, so Notre Dame looks for guys like that. Uh, I I think having watched him play in person a couple times, obviously Fiesta Bowl, but I've seen him play against Texas as well. He's, I wouldn't say prototypical Big 12 quarterback because you think – air it out, big arm, sit in the pocket for a couple <laughs> seconds, get it out, whether it's a short pass, long pass, all of those things. I don't. He's not necessarily that guy, but that could be a good thing for Notre Dame because I don't know if they're looking for that guy. Maybe Tommy Reese is looking for a playmaker who likes to get outside the tackle box and use his feet a little bit. I did do a story last week, in a, last week at blueandgold.com where I ranked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was four of the names who are in the transfer portal. I put card 1A. I put Sanders 1B, and there were a couple of things – why I like Card better than Sanders. I think once Card gets outside the tackle boxes, he's still looking to throw, and he's going to make that pass downfield. I think Tommy Reese really wants someone that could do that. Drew Pine got outside the tackle boxes. You see him hit a a pass here or there, but it'd mainly be to Michael Mayer. And then you just see him scramble. I don't think Hudson Card's going to resort to scrambling every single time. Spencer Sanders, it's not that he resorts to scrambling, it's that he likes to do it. He likes to use his feet. He likes to gain 10 yards more than he likes to pass for 15 on a, on a play when he gets outside like that. Obviously, 15 yards is better than 10 yards. So I'm not saying Hudson Card's the perfect improvising quarterback, but I, I do think that there's something there with Sanders that uh, – it would frustrate Notre Dame fans to a degree because, look, I, I really liked Ian Book as a quarterback. I think he was awesome to watch, especially since I wasn't covering Notre Dame at the time. You flip on a Notre Dame game, and you're like, all right, this guy's going to make all kinds of plays. But what was the narrative about him is that he tried to do a little too much with his feet a little too soon. Yep. Would that be accurate there sure. to say that? Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if Notre Dame fans or the coaching staff, for that matter, wants another guy who is going to be like that because – Let's let's face it, I think Spencer Sanders is that type of guy. Tyler, let me go to the tight end position since Michael Mayer has made it official, headed to the NFL draft, will not participate against South Carolina. What we see on the field at the tight end position against South Carolina, is that going to be at least a small indicator of a couple of guys that are going to have a prime opportunity to grab the snaps left behind by Mayer? Absolutely, but but I will preface it with this, and I will say this. I think everybody who listens to this show on Monday nights and everyone who listens to me on game days with you for two and a half hours, I I shoot it straight. I tell tell, tell it like it is. I I think this is going to be a serious problem, especially in game one without Michael Mayer, kind of realizing everything that he did for Notre Dame and how good he was and how much of a – focal point he was of this Notre Dame offense, it's going to hit the Irish in the face in that game. He was targeted 101 times Mm. in in 12 regular season games. The next closest guy on the Notre Dame roster 
was sophomore Lorenzo Styles, who by everyone's own admission had a pretty down year and a frustrating year with the drops and he couldn't get open, all those things with 46 targets. And so Mayer had more than twice as many targets as the next guy in line. It's going to be a real struggle for Notre Dame to pass the ball, but that opens up the other end of the coin. Like you said, Darren, it's going to, there's going to be opportunities for Mitchell Evans and Holden stays in this game. You would really like to have Kevin Bauman and Eli Raritan. That's not the case. You hope to hang on to the guy, to those guys. It's, they haven't entered the transfer portal. It sounds like maybe they're going to stick with the Iris. So you're going to go into next season with guys like Stays, Raritan, Bauman. Mitchell Evans seems like he's kind of being groomed to be that number one guy, but there's only one Michael Mayer. Notre Dame is losing him to the NFL draft. I bet you he's going to be a top 15 pick. I wouldn't be shocked if a team reaches in top 10 picks a tight end, which you never see. He's that good. And Notre Dame's going to figure out what life without him is like very quickly, kind of like the Kyron Williams thing last year. Everyone was so excited about Chris Tyree and Logan Diggs and that Fiesta Bowl, and Audrick Estime got a couple carries in a game before that against Georgia Tech on senior day, and then the Notre Dame rushing offense was just non-existent in that Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. I am pretty fearful that the passing offense is going to be the same way because so much of what Notre Dame has done through the air and blocking, for, for that matter, has been through number 87. Hmm. Let me go back to the portal for a second. You've kind of led me down a different path. Besides the quarterback position, which is the obvious place to add someone from the transfer portal, is there another part of the Irish football team that you believe is a necessity that they add someone from the portal? Let's take kicker out of the equation. That's a different type conversation. You can find a kicker, but Elsewhere on the football team, is there a hole or a spot you'd like to see improved that makes obvious sense to you? Yeah, I'll give you two real quick. Sure. Wide receiver, because, yes, you do have these three or four guys coming in the class of 2023, a couple of them from the great state of Texas, which we've already mentioned. (laughs) Uh, I think they're going to be really good, and they could play as soon as 2023. But you don't have that veteran pass catcher and the veteran pass catcher for this team this year was Michael Mayer even though he was a tight end you're losing him I think Notre Dame needs to go out and get a wide receiver that has done it at this level can come in you can bank on him right away to give you let's say 50 catches and 500 yards and a handful of scores if you can have that and then develop some of these younger guys to play around him and and chip in with some good numbers here and there then that will work wonders for this passing offense, whoever is playing quarterback next season. And then I think you need to go get a true patented edge rusher as well, mm-hmm. since you're losing Isaiah Foskey to the NFL draft as well. There are some really good names in the transfer portal right now. There's a guy from Syracuse, guy from Stanford. Of course, Dylan McCullough's son from Indiana is in the transfer portal. He just visited Oklahoma, so he's obviously pretty highly sought after if he's going all the way down there for a recruiting visit. There's so many guys that you could get that could come in right away, give you at least five, six, seven sacks. Maybe not get you Isaiah Foskey 10 or 11, but if you can get a guy that comes in and gives you five, six, seven, and then you have some guys, some younger guys that you're developing and you feel really good about that can get you, you know, the three, four, five range, then I don't think you lose too much of that pass rushing element. But right now, as it stands, you lose Isaiah Foskey to the NFL draft. You don't have that premier pass rusher. I think Notre Dame needs to go get one from the portal. 
I want to ask you one Irish women's basketball question since you follow them and write about them for blueandgold.com. Back on November the 12th, which wasn't very long ago, a five-star out of Canada, Cassandra Prosper, committed to the Fighting Irish, signed with the Fighting Irish. Now we find out today she's going to be an early enrollee and is going to be able to help this basketball team coming up very, very soon. Can you put into perspective the impact this five-star could have on this year's fifth-ranked Irish women's basketball team? Yeah, it's huge because right now Neil Ivy is working with nine scholarship players, and in the bigger games, you've seen them play a couple Power 5 opponents already, especially UConn. The Maryland game was a tough one, obviously. Ivy has used a seven-player rotation, which is pretty common in Mm -hmm. college basketball. You get into these bigger games – if you stay out of foul trouble, you can survive playing seven, eight players. I think Prosper is someone that comes in right away. She's 6'2". Ivy calls her a forward with guard skills. Mm. So that just lets you know the type of talent that she is. She can shoot, really good defender, great length. Uh, 6'2", vertically, I don't want to – I mean, I do want to know what her wingspan is. I think she's got length that Ivy is going to love on the defensive end. So obviously that's a huge boost anytime you can add – a defensive player like that. They're scoring enough right now with Olivia Miles, Sonia Citrone, Lauren Ebo has been great, the graduate transfer from Texas. They're getting enough points. But when you add in another body that can kind of relieve things uh, from a roster management perspective, give you another rotation player, they're not going to ask her to score double digits. Uh, when Olivia Miles came in and played six games as an early enrollee two year, or a year ago, a year and a half ago, 2021, she didn't give you double digits. Now she's giving you everything. They don't need her to, to, to come in right away and score 10 points a game. But she's going to come in, play, maybe give you 15 to 20 minutes per game, and I think they're going to be 15 to 20 really good minutes. So th- this Notre Dame team just took a huge bump forward. They're already the number five team in the country, like you said, Darren. Now you're adding one of your best players from a signing class that was really, really good. Uh, I-, I think – we're talking before the season started we were talking okay maybe they can take that next step to get to the elite eight i think this kind of puts it on another level and says maybe they can get back to the final four Hmm. interesting wow like the sound of that tyler horkin notre dame football beat reporter blue and gold illustrated blueandgold.com Sports Beat is off the air next week with the holidays. So why don't you give our listeners a little, I guess, 18-day uh, window between uh-huh. now and the bowl game, the type of things you guys are going to be doing at blueandgold.com. Yeah, obviously got a lot of Gator Bowl stuff coming in, but we just wrapped up today was a magazine deadline for us as well. So we like to put all the things that we put in there behind the paywall online, which is only $10 to sign up at bloomgold.com right now. So it's a heck of a deal. You get all the cross content from the magazine and from purely web stuff. And we did a bunch of end of year awards for the football team. So we'll kind of lay those out. I think starting the week of Christmas, kind of day by day, MVP, most improved top freshman, those types of things. One, two, three for each of those categories. That's going to be really interesting stuff. And then, Of course, signing day is coming up in this 18-day window that you mentioned as well. So Mike Singer, who you talk to every week on this program, does a heck of a job covering recruiting for us. We're going to have the latest on Notre Dame's top five class. I think it's currently still number number three in the country. Obviously, Notre Dame is trying to hold on to that top five status. 
And the way to do that is to sign most of these guys next Wednesday. I think that's the 21st. So I'll actually be heading back to Texas, back home for the holidays. And if Peyton Bowen, who uh, is kind of a hot-button issue for this fan base, is <laughs> doing a in-person signing, I'll be able to cover that in person at Denton Geyer High School in Texas. So a lot of really cool exclusive things going on at blueandgold.com. Very interesting. He is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Happy holidays to you and your family, and we'll catch up with you after we get by Christmas. And, of course, after that, we'll get to the Gator Bowls. We look forward to that conversation. We'll talk to you then. All right, Darren, thanks so much. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you guys as well. Thank you very much. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Please check out his work at blueandgold.com. Also covers the Irish women's basketball team and the Notre Dame hockey team. 5.55 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. As long as I can remember, I've had issues breathing through my nose. Since procedure, I breathe through my nose. I sleep through the night. I don't wake up with headaches. Just get it checked out. It's 100% worth it. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Notre Dame brings five. Bradley steps back. In trouble. He sacked. At the 15-yard line, J.D. Bertrand got him. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And down he goes. At the 16-yard line, Justin Lola got there first. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Oh, intercepted. This will be a pick six. Into the end zone goes Jack Kaiser. 42-yard touchdown. Almost 6 o'clock here at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. We've got Monday Night Football coming up tonight on WSBT Radio. We join Westwood One's coverage at 7.30 tonight. It is the 6-6 six and six New England Patriots down in the desert to take on the 4-8 and eight Arizona Cardinals. According to DraftKings Sportsbook, the road team, the Patriots, are a two-and-a-half point favorite against the old Big Red. Over-under total points in the game is set at 44. So we will have some football action for you tonight. Very strange yesterday. Late in the NFL season, a handful of teams on a bye, including two of our local teams, the Chicago Bears and the Indianapolis Colts. They'll be back in action coming up this week. We have three NFL games on Saturday, including the Colts. They're going to play at the Vikings, who are coming off a loss to the Lions at Ford Field. Saturday at 1 o'clock, Colts at Vikings. You can hear the Colts broadcast on our sister station, 96-1, the ton. And then on Sunday at 1 o'clock, the Bears have their hands full at Soldier Field. They will take on the one team right now in the NFL that has clinched a playoff berth, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles, who routed the New York football Giants in New Jersey yesterday, the Eagles are in a really good spot to be the number one seed in the NFC. And, of course, in the new playoff format that was unveiled last year, the number one seed in the NFC and in the AFC do not play the first weekend. The other six teams in the NFC and the six in the AFC have to play 
that extra game. So there is a little benefit to having your starters getting a chance to take a late-season breather before their run to the Super Bowl. So Eagles at Bears Sunday, 1 o'clock. You can hear the Bears broadcast on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. And also on Sunday, how about those Detroit Lions? They might just make the postseason. What a great turnaround for Detroit. They picked up the win over the Vikings yesterday. And now the Lions go to New Jersey to take on the New York Jets Sunday at 1 o'clock. Boy, the Lions can score points by the Bushels. They've got that team playing great football. I remember at the start of the year, I thought they were a candidate to win seven or eight games. But then after they went, what, one and six? I'm thinking, well, I drank the Kool-Aid from watching Hard Knocks on HBO. Kind of enjoyed watching this team. Felt like they could be good. Then I was like, oh, well, maybe I got too excited. But now they're starting to play to the level that I thought they could at the start of the year. Credit Dan Campbell. He has changed the culture. And now this football team has a chance to make the postseason in the NFC. Pretty amazing. All right. 6.03 is our time. Coming up in a couple of moments, we'll have our My 5 question of the day. We'll talk some Notre Dame basketball as the Irish had a rough one yesterday at home against Marquette. Football talk continues on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. South Bend. You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Thanks for joining me on WSBT radio or as we stream at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. Live video stream available on the Twitch app. My name is Darren Pritchett. It is 10 minutes after 6 o'clock on this Monday evening. We'll have plenty more Notre Dame football and basketball talk on the program this evening. But right now, let's go back to Friday's program. And the My 5 question of the day, which was the five guesses that I had of the top storylines of the sports weekend. So let's see how those headlines turned out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Number five headline was Notre Dame hockey would split a two-game set with number five Penn State. That headline turned out to be correct because Notre Dame lost to Penn State on Friday 5-2. to two. The Nittany Lions scored three times in the third period, including two empty netters to win by three. Irish played okay. I would say Penn State had the advantage in quality of play in that game. They probably deserved to win. Notre Dame played a really good game on Saturday, a very solid bounce back performance. They've had to do that quite a bit in Big Ten play, losing Friday, then coming back to win on Saturday. The Irish were up five to one late in the third. The game was over. Notre Dame, I would say, if I'm a member of the coaching staff and, and knowing those guys are probably not overly thrilled with the way the game ended, they like the outcome. 
as the Irish gave away a puck behind their own net, leading to basically just a, a tap-in goal for Penn State from about 10 feet away. And then a penalty led to another power play goal in a six-on-four situation. The Irish won 5-3. That's all that matters. And they played a much better game on Saturday than Friday. So that headline turned out to be okay. Four. The fourth headline, Eagles wrap up a playoff spot in the NFL with a solid win at the New York Giants. That headline turned out to be correct. The Eagles, not only solid, they dominated their NFC East foe. The New York football Giants, the Eagles beat the Big Blue 48-22. to Jalen Hurts continues to play MVP caliber football, a couple of touchdown strikes, and a rushing touchdown for the former Alabama and Oklahoma quarterback. The Eagles are going to be a handful against the Packers in that primetime game a couple of weeks ago. They ran it down their throat. Last week, the Eagles threw it all over the place in beating Tennessee. This was more of a balanced game, so they can beat you in a couple of different ways on offense, and that is not a fun thought for the rest of the National Football Conference. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. Another headline from Friday. I had the prediction that Arizona would hit the jackpot in Vegas with a victory over Indiana, and that turned out to be another correct headline. Arizona took down the Hoosiers 89-75. They won it up front, played solid defense. IU couldn't hit enough shots, and the Hoosiers fall by 14 to Arizona out in Vegas. And today we found out the new AP poll, and Purdue is the new number one team in the country in men's college basketball. The Boilermakers are still undefeated. Indiana is 14th. In this week's AP poll, you break it down by conference. Right now, the Big Ten has six teams ranked. I mentioned Purdue at one, Indiana at 14, Illinois at 18 after a really good win over Texas and then just laid an egg at home against Penn State, Maryland at 20, Wisconsin 22, and Ohio State at 23 from the ACC, Virginia is the number two team of the AP poll, Duke 12, Virginia Tech, the reigning ACC champions, are 24th, and the Miami Hurricanes are number 25. Number two. My second headline from Friday's program, I wrote the Lions are a serious NFC playoff contender after beating the Minnesota Vikings. And another correct headline, as Detroit at home took down the Minnesota Vikings 34-23, to A big story from an odds-making standpoint. Detroit was a two-point favorite going into this game. And the Lions, honestly, right now are the better football team, even though the Vikings have a much more impressive record. Detroit's better football team, and they beat the Vikings by 11 at Ford Field yesterday. Number one. And my fifth headline and final headline from Friday's program, Notre Dame basketball wins a close tilt against Marquette. That headline was wrong, unfortunately, as Marquette, first of all, I want to give them credit. They played a terrific game on the road against the Irish. They caused Notre Dame a lot of headaches on the offensive end as the Irish struggled to get good looks. And unfortunately, Marquette was allowed to do whatever they wanted on the offensive end. 
It was an opportunity for them to put the ball on the floor and get to the bucket. They had a big guy that had a really good game underneath the bucket. It was just one of those defensive performances. You just winced a lot in that game, and credit to Marquette. They got a very nice victory for their NCAA tournament resume, the road win over the Irish, and they won by 15. So four of the five headlines worked out. The one that missed was that Notre Dame basketball loss to Marquette. Now let's get to today's My Five. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's build off that last My Five from Friday. The five takeaways from the Notre Dame loss to Marquette, 79 to 64. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. I give Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, the credit for this stat. He tweeted out that the Irish in this game were four for 11 on layups and dunks against Marquette. You know, it's difficult for this team to consistently get to the rim you know they had a guy in Blake Wesley last year that had the quickness the ball handling ability to get to the rim now finishing at times was a challenge but man he got to the rim so successfully but this year when they get there you gotta finish and take advantage and unfortunately yesterday was one of those days that The ball was not going in the hoop for the Fighting Irish. Four! Another takeaway from the Irish loss to Marquette. This was a major concern coming into the season, but two of the last three games when you're facing a quality big that also is athletic, the Irish are having some trouble guarding those individuals. They just don't have that big guy down low that they can count on consistently to defend. You take a look at Oso Igadaro for Marquette yesterday. 16 points, 18 rebounds. You go back a week prior, the Syracuse game, their big Jesse Edwards dominated that game with 22 points and 16 rebounds. Notre Dame just doesn't have that true five, and they don't have any rim protection. So this is kind of our worst fears coming to reality, not having that go-to big guy download defensively. We have seen a couple of quality bigs have really good games against the Fighting Irish. Okay, okay, Uh, number three. You know, Dane Goodwin has been such a good player for this basketball team throughout his Notre Dame career. Second straight, what I would call quiet, Offensive game for the talented Goodwin. The BU game, he was 2 of 10 from the field, 1 of 3 from the three-point line, and chipped in with nine points. And then yesterday against Marquette, even a little more quiet, 3 of 8 from the field, 0 of 2 from the three-point line. He scored just six points. That is a key, key guy for this team because not only can he knock down the outside shot, a good three-point shooter, but we can see Dane consistently being a player that can play with his back to the basket. He did it in high school, the AAU circuit. 
He's very comfortable taking a guard down to the low block, posting him up, hitting a turnaround shot. This guy's very, very important for the future of this Fighting Irish basketball team if they're going to have a chance to get back to the NCAA tournament. Number two. Takeaways from the Notre Dame loss to Marquette, 79-64. Number two, just the overall difficulties for the Irish offense, including just getting open looks on that end of the floor. Mike talked about from the ACC logo near the free throw line out to that Indy logo. There's a lot of traffic out there. I think the opposition don't necessarily respect several of the Irish players' ability to get by them and get to the bucket. You know, the the flow of the offense isn't what we are so used to seeing. Mike's offenses have been so great consistently of doing the same thing. Great ball movement, great flow, sharing the basketball. Right now, the, the assist totals are much lower than we are used to seeing. We aren't seeing as many assists, which is a sign that ball might be sticking a little bit or that extra pass isn't being made. Sometimes shots not falling affects, obviously, the assist total. But we know what this offense looks like when it's rolling because normally we see it at a high level. But this year, even going back to other games, it's just been a little not what we're used to seeing in terms of inconsistencies on the offensive end. You always feel like Notre Dame can figure that end out. I'm concerned about the defensive end. We'll see if Mike starts going a little more zone with this team. That's going to hurt you even more rebounding-wise, and that's already a challenge for this team. So I'm going to be really intrigued to see what the switch is defensively after finals. Offensively, you figure things are going to fall into place, but boy, so far through 10 games, not what we're used to seeing in terms of that flow on offense and the assists being handed out like kids picking up candy at the candy store getting ready for Christmas. It's just not happening as often as you would expect. Number one. And the final takeaway from the Notre Dame loss to Marquette. Some of these crossover, but I don't think there's any way around it but saying that was a poor defensive effort against Marquette. It just was a day that Marquette kind of do whatever they wanted on the offensive end. They didn't hit threes very well. They were available. They did a terrific job of putting the ball on the deck, getting into the paint. They were able to tip balls out because of their height advantage to keep possessions alive. They were just way too comfortable. If it was a baseball game, I think the pitcher would throw a couple of pitches inside to get the hitters off the plate, make them a little uncomfortable. Marquette was just way too comfortable. They shot 47% from the field, and this is a stat that's not going to win you a lot of games. Marquette scored 50 points in the paint against Notre Dame. Boy, that is really tough to overcome. And I know Mike always talks about he'll give up the twos to avoid a team raining a bunch of threes, but that's a pretty high total in the paint. A 50-burger put up by Marquette, a game in which they scored 79 points, only 29 points scored 
Outside the Paint by Shaka Smart's team. That's the My Five for today. The five takeaways from the Notre Dame basketball loss to Marquette, 79-64. Missing around the rim. No big guy defense. A second straight quiet game for Dane Goodwin. Difficulties being consistent on the offensive end. And finally, just not a great defensive effort yesterday by Mike Bray's team. They've got a little time off. Of course, finals this week for the student-athletes. And Notre Dame will take on Georgia this weekend down in Atlanta. That's the My 5. It is 625 in your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. towards the middle. Ryan gets the step, kicks it out. Lasheski has to hoist it up at the shot clock, winding down, and he buries it. Nate Lasheski drills the three, and once again, the game is tied. Olivia Miles pushing it up court. Citron once again, the easy layup on the assist from Olivia Miles as Olivia continues to add to her day. 13 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists. 94-37. Lieberman with the puck in the air, tapping it on his stick, brings it into the offensive zone. Right side, Ralston. He shoots and scores. Ryder Ralston, a wrist shot from the right dot. It eludes Soulier. And Notre Dame's first shot on goal comes nine minutes and 42 seconds into the game, and the shot finds the back of the net. one nothing Notre Dame. That's from the Notre Dame Radio Network this weekend. Tony Simeone right here on WSBT Radio. One of the first half highlights when the Notre Dame Marquette game was tight before Marquette pulled away and won 79-64. Sean Styers, the voice of the Irish women's basketball team on our sister station live 99-9. A blowout win over Merrimack and Olivia Miles, the first Notre Dame women's basketball player with three triple doubles in her career. She's got a lot of games left. It's going to be very interesting to see how many of those special stat line stuffers she will end up with before moving on to the WNBA. And then I was on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. Friday and Saturday, Notre Dame splitting two games with Penn State. That highlight was from Saturday when the Fighting Irish took down Penn State 5-3. to three. You know, we've spent a lot of time this year talking about the Notre Dame quarterback position, and there's going to be more headlines coming in the next couple of weeks with likely the addition from the transfer portal. We'll be able to see what Buckner and Jelly can do in this bowl game against South Carolina. Well, in a bowl game a couple of years ago, Notre Dame faced Iowa State, and their quarterback was Brock Purdy. Now, Brock Purdy had some people talking about him going into last year as a guy that could be taken fairly high in the NFL draft, but he had sort of a down, I guess, last year with the Cyclones and ended up being Mr. Irrelevant and the National Football League draft selection number 262. And with Trey Lance earlier this year, the Niners starting quarterback 
going down with a season-ending injury. It was in week two against Seattle. Jimmy Garoppolo, who was not even practicing with the team during fall camp, they had him working elsewhere. They were going to get rid of him, and then they decided to bring him back, gave him a deal to be the backup. Well, he had to start at that point when Lance went down, and then Garoppolo last week got hurt and is done for at least the regular season. So a guy taken in the seventh round, the last pick in the draft out of Iowa State, Brock Purdy, comes in last week, performs very well, and I think he tried to show us that that reserve job he did was not a fluke as he started last week against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Purdy was really, really good, or should I say Purdy good, against Tampa Bay. Brock Purdy is making things look very easy right now in San Francisco. Grandy's got a great defense and a really good running game highlighted by Christian McCaffrey. But this is going to be another interesting story. A sixth-round pick, just like Tom Brady. Now we're not going down that road saying he's going to be Tom Brady, but here's a guy that well, Brady was taken in the sixth round. Purdy was taken in the seventh round then, right, Mr. Irrelevant? So, I thought they said he was picked in the sixth round. Maybe I I misheard, but what a start to his career right now out in San Francisco, and he will be the guy for San Francisco going into the postseason. Pretty remarkable. For a guy that kind of had a down last year at Iowa State, makes the NFL look pretty doggone simple, at least so far. Good for Brock Purdy and San Francisco looking like a serious contender to battle Philadelphia for the top spot in the NFC. The Cowboys were kind of in that conversation. Then the game yesterday, needing a last-second touchdown to be Houston at Jerry's World, that just didn't seem possible. The Cowboys were favored by 17 and almost lost it. But Levy Smith and the Texans gave away the game, and Houston will be looking for a starting quarterback win the next NFL draft comes around as Houston, boy, they are looking for a lot of answers right now down there in Texas. 634 is our time. We got Monday night football tonight. Patriots and Cardinals coverage starts in an hour here on WSBT Radio. We'll get to our Twitter question of the day coming up. Also, you'll hear from Mike Bray, his thoughts on the Irish losing to Marquette yesterday, 79-64. All on the way from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wesley off balance shot, no good. Atkinson put back. It's good. That's it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Notre Dame in double overtime. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby. Darren Pritchett at 641 on Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Well, we've talked a little bit about the Irish basketball loss to Marquette earlier this hour. Now let's give Mike Bray a chance to talk about last night's game at Purcell Pavilion, a game that was tight throughout the first half. Marquette started to pull away late in the first half, and really Notre Dame, they gave a push but never got within shouting distance where Marquette started panicking. And they walked away from Purcell Pavilion with a 15-point victory. And Mike Bray, after the game, spoke with the voice 
of the Irish basketball team, Tony Simeone, on the Notre Dame Radio Network, heard right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Mike Bray, uh, they gave you a lot of tough work yeah. on the offensive side of the floor. I thought their defense was really good today, Coach. What did they do that made it so tough for you guys offensively? You know, they're, it, it's a little bit of the Bonaventure stuff, the athletic ball pressure pushing us out. And you got to give Marquette credit. I thought they played great. I think they're, you know, when I watched what they did to Baylor two weeks ago, I was worried and my worst worries came, came true. But uh, pushing you out defensively and then the speed off the dribble was just hard for us to deal with. And um, they're... You know, and, and when we play athletic teams, they're gonna, that's going to be the book on us. Yeah. So, you know, we have to work on some things, and i got to try and help us a little bit more. But uh, let's give them credit. They were, they were fabulous. I thought their big guy, too, Iguodaro, 16 points, 18 rebounds, looked a little bit like Jesse Edwards at Syracuse. What can you guys do to start, start combating yeah. a big that comes in like that and yeah. gives you trouble? Yeah, no, he's, he's trouble and, you know, size and – you know, we tried to play a little more zone, and then, you know, they make a couple threes, and you feel you're in striking distance, but you can only give up so many darn layups around the bucket and, and post things. That's a lot of pressure on your offense to, you know, to outscore somebody. And, and uh, you know, uh, I think we got to look to double a little bit more. We doubled one time, and we didn't rotate, and they made a great pass. So, you know, a little bit of everything we tried, they, uh, they had an answer for one positive I'll look at here, Nate Leshesky was in single figures the last three games, gets back up to yeah. 20. I thought he looked a lot more like the guy the first couple weeks yeah. of the season. What did you like from Nate tonight in a, in a losing effort? Yeah, I mean, you know, he just battles, man. And, and uh, you know, actually he had some tough ones he missed early around the bucket, which, you know, probably could have helped us. But he, he just, all he knows is how to fight. And, and uh, in this group, you know, they've, the older group, those four older guys, as we talked about in there, you know, they've, They've taken their punches through the years. This was a big one right in the face for Christmas. And, uh, but I told him, I said, now when you wake up tomorrow, I need you concentrating on your exams because I need everybody eligible <laughs> following for Georgia. Um, so, Last one I have for you. You kind of led me to it here. It comes at a tough time because you got finals. You have to wait a week. But this team has been so good bouncing back from losses, not just this year, but yeah. last year as well. What do you guys have to do this week, whether it's exams or getting ready for that trip to Atlanta to make sure you go down there and get the win? Well, it's an interesting week in that our, our busiest exam schedule is Monday through Wednesday. And what I've always done with the staff is we go on the road and recruit because you really don't have time to practice. So the, the, th the four of us will get on the road till Wednesday night, and we won't come back as a group until 7 o'clock Thursday. I got 60 minutes. I can get a little scrimmage in. And then Friday, no one has tests. Friday and Saturday, we'll have two practices before we play Georgia. We'll leave Saturday, and we'll practice in State Farm Arena. And, you know, you beat Michigan State, your non-league power game. You couldn't get these guys. George is a, a chance, yeah. you know, before it's all league stuff after that. And, uh, and then we'll stay on the road. After Atlanta, we'll go right to Tallahassee since school is out, and we'll play Florida State on Wednesday, and we will stay south, which may be a good thing, right, if it's snowing. We'll stay <laughs> south uh, and try and earn a league win. So a uh, lot to work on. You'd like to work on it tomorrow? I need everybody passing their exams. I'm going to come back to them on Thursday, and I told them I'd email them some thoughts on Tuesday night. Thank you, man. Right. See you guys. There you go, Mike Bray on the Notre Dame Radio Network. 
Heard right here on WSBT Radio last night following the 79-64 loss to Marquette. Mike is right. Leshevsky got back on track. He did miss some bunnies in the first half, but had 20 points and seven rebounds on seven of 15 shooting. Then J.J. Starling had 12, but the rest of your starting lineup only combined for 20 points. Trey Wirtz, seven points, two of six shooting. Cormac Ryan, seven points, only five shots in the game. Wow, two of five from the field, one of four from the three-point line. Dane Goodwin played the most minutes, 37, six points, three of eight shooting from the floor. Marquette, not a surprise with some of their bigs up front, were plus nine in the rebound category, including 15 offensive rebounds, helping Marquette to score 50 points in the paint. And this is a a bit of an indicator to Notre Dame's defense. Marquette only turned it over three times in the game. That is remarkable. Three, the Irish turned it over. Ten times. So Notre Dame is seven and three. They were four and five last year. Turned it around and made the NCAA tournament barely. They've got a lot of work to do this year with the ACC being down again this year. The ability to bag quality wins. When you have the chance, you got to put it in your back pocket. And they'll have some chances coming up. But Georgia's winnable. Florida State's been bad so far this year. So between Georgia, Florida State, Jacksonville, maybe you can go on a three-game winning streak to get to 10-3. and 6.48 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My husband and I had a sleep divorce. My snoring was so loud, it forced him onto the living room couch. I loved Advent. The procedure was only about 20 minutes. I am not snoring anymore. at WSBT. Well, I've got three minutes to pass along a lot of information. Let me go step by step. Sports Beat tonight brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Trent Branch area, now open for carryouts, Barnaby's the Family Inn. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana this holiday season. Give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. Pet Refuge urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. South Bend Orthopedics team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance this holiday season. Protect your family. For those unexpected life moments, call Tim at 232-9981. Our updates brought to you by Edward Jones. Making sense of investing. Contact Terry Clark in South Bend or Matt Carroll in Mishawaka. South Carolina's leading runner is not going to play in the Gator Bowl. He's heading to the portal. Marshawn Lloyd, 573 rushing yards and nine touchdowns. You've got Jaheim Bell and Juju McDowell as their next top two running backs in terms of rushing yards with 261 and 191 respectively. A lot of good players not playing in the Gator Bowl. All right, let's quickly move to the results of our Twitter question of the day from Friday. I asked who will the Notre Dame football team miss more 
in 2023. Michael Mayer or Isaiah Foskey, both players announcing they're heading to the NFL draft and will not play in the Gator Bowl. The tight end Mayer got 71.3% of the vote. The edge rusher Foskey got 28.7% of the vote. The vote took place on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Here is today's question. Considering Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner will not be hit in practice leading up to the bowl game, how much do you want him to play coming off shoulder surgery? Four choices. Every snap, majority of snaps, share snaps with Angeli, or don't play him. We'd love to get your input. You can also reply to the question, and I'll read that on the air as well. Go to my Twitter account at 960sportsbeep to vote in today's Twitter question of the day. I've got 30 seconds for my sports wagering helpers for tonight. Fingers crossed. I am going to go with Arizona plus two and a half against New England. Kyler Murray over 36 and a half rushing yards. Tight end Hunter Henry for New England over 30 and a half receiving yards. And the first half point total between the two teams under 21 and a half.